1116 SEN. Afternoons with Andy Ma for the award-winning Volvo XC90. Book your test drive today and Cherry Energy Solutions. Business energy solutions that pay for themselves. Well, obviously there's a lot to talk to Carlos about today, uh, both here and abroad with the walls just to- are the walls tightening around before we get into the local stuff. Good afternoon to you. How are you, mate? Did the walls just tighten in a little bit around Leicester overnight? Not so much the result, uh, but certainly the uh, the sending off of uh, James Vardy and uh, and the possible two week not not only the mandatory one week mm. which he's going to get for the red card, but the abuse of the the ref it was pretty full on. Oh wasn't it? yeah, it was they, full they, on. They're quoting in the Guardian in, in English papers exactly what he said, which I cannot say on Australian how radio. Ba- how bad was it? Oh, it's as bad as you can get. Right, okay. Yeah, and uh, and look, there are referees, you know. Former referees, high-profile former referees, have come out and condemned the referee's performance on the day, and that may have brought, you know, led to this. But they're trying to stamp out this gratuitous, uh, uh, completely in-your-face uh, abuse of referees. So it would be very hard to think that he's not going to get the second week. Mm. Uh, Diego Costa early on the season also got an extra week for the same thing. So um, yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't in, in normal play. It was uh, he, he just went after the referee and just. Gave him a, right, a, a you know, a load of uh, it, well, abuse exactly. on the way out. Well, so. it was, it was, it was, a, it was a, t- it was, it was ugly, and it was, yeah. it was a violent, mm. it was a violent verbal reaction. There's no doubt about that. Without even yeah. knowing what he said, and mm. you do, I'm taking your word for that. That that elevates it to a, a pretty unsightly yeah. uh, situation. Referees are interesting, and judicial findings are interesting at the moment. I, I want to get to your thoughts on the best import in the A League because we've we saw both. Bruno and Broish on the weekend, central to the outcomes of in, of the elimination finals. But um, the overturning of the second week of the Barisha <laughs> penalty. Yep. And we're just having a chat about this off air. Um, we sat here last week, and you were you were almost one hundred percent in your view that it wouldn't happen. I was I was almost going to resign from this position after that because <laughs> well, I'm I thinking I you, know I nothing. You, no, I wouldn't have let you do that. <laughs> but but clearly yeah. the, the 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 precedence had been. You know, against it, and the case, you know, for Melbourne Victory didn't look overly strong, but they were duty bound to do what they did. And we we all understood that, but no one meant that that added up yep. to Barisha being right to play in the elimination final that he played in and eventually scored in. It was safe to say there was shock throughout the football world, and there was shock and anger at FFA. Is that right? Of course. Where the decision was overturned by the independent disciplinary committee, mm-hmm. and uh, independent they, being the key word, absolutely. If you ever, if you ever want to, uh, if you ever argue or want clarification about how independent they are, well, if you get to speak a couple of FFA people <laughs> over that result, uh, they are really unhappy about that. And in the end, you know, victory, uh, Brisha scored, victory lost. So, but I, I think you'll find that there's real moves in uh, making sure that there's clarification about how these uh, the disciplinary committee make their decisions well, in the future. This goes to you know, this, the legal argument that saw him get off that was so compelling to, to get him off, and credit to the Melbourne Victory mm. lawyers for doing it. I mean, you've got to say that. Um, they did it within the rules of the game, and they, they got into play. And can you imagine what must have been happening to the heads of these FFA yeah. officials that you're talking about when late in the game he puts them in front. I mean, if they were angry enough after the decision, their heads must have been coming off yeah. late in the game. They're not barracking against Melbourne no. victory, but unhappy with the independent panel's finding. Um, 
they must have been their, their heads. Their heads must have been coming off. Yeah, I, I I can't speak for that because I, I don't know whether they yeah. were thinking about that at the time and what the reaction of people would have been. I think people were putting it well behind them before the game. I mean, I, I think I tweeted, by the end it's Yeah, I think yeah, I true, tweeted yeah. something like uh, uh, Durante is going to put some sort of civil action in if Brucia scores, and uh. everyone's sort of getting back and, and sort of replying to me saying, let's forget about that, let's move on to the game. So that may have been the feeling around it. No one really talked about that in the commentary during the game, but it may have been in the aftermath, especially if Brisbane were the better side, and they weren't. They were nowhere near the better side, and if they had lost that game, John, you know, John Aloisi and, uh, and the team would have had to ex- uh, accept the fact that victory were so dominant. I've never seen a team dominate Brisbane like that in Brisbane. Uh, uh, well, since prior to the um, uh, Ange Postecoglou years, to tell you the truth. Wow. So, uh, and really that one, that the goal that they scored was long overdue. The Borussia goal it was a beautiful goal that he scored. So I thought that that would have been enough for them to win. Well, on the on the on the evidence of that match, that eighty-five minutes or whatever mm. it was, it had laid out in front of us. It didn't feel like there was another goal in that game. It felt like the deadlock was so hard to break, and once broken. It just didn't feel like there was going to be another goal coming and then yeah. 15 well, seconds But that's later. what Brisbane do. I mean, they just, they just do it all the time. And uh, there's a real belief. And, I, you know, when you when you see that, I, I love to I love to try and work. People talk about the culture of the place and what and the Brisbane have got this. Hawthorne's got in the yeah, AFL. There's these teams that you just can never, ever. Man, you under, under Alex Ferguson always had this belief that doesn't matter how far behind they are at the 88th minute mark or the 90th minute mark, going into injury time, there might be three minutes, they always had belief belief that they could get something out of this yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and that's what uh, Brisbane Royal got. And you sort of look at, you know, what makes that up? I love to see what the what's in the DNA. And, yeah. and with, you know, a guy that we're going to be talking about in the moment, someone like a, a Thomas Broish, has been there since since they've really earned this uh, reputation through the final series under yeah. Postacoglu. Matty Mackay, uh, Barisha when he was there, um, you know, uh, Shane Stefanudo, uh, Michael Theo, these guys here, it's almost like uh, the DNA of the club or, or what we're talking about is built up by these characters. And they pass it on now to the younger guys yeah, coming through, yeah. Jamie McLaren and these sort of players. And, uh, um, and you know, it, it, knowing that as a young player coming through and playing with these guys and doing what they did, on Friday night, uh, imagine what that does to your career. Wherever you go, oh, no, you just know yeah. that you yep. can win from yep. anywhere. Once you've experienced, you know mm. that you can win. Melbourne City, for a long, long time, I felt, you know, during their really, really lame periods, never believed they could win those sort of games. Yeah. And so they might throw those games away. So uh, it's this culture. I think it's built around these characters that we're talking about. It's funny you, you say that, and I know I often try and leave the Liverpool into any conversation that you and I have, <laughs> but, but their performance the other night mm. coming from 3-1 down, you know, late in the game and overturning that game in Anfield the way they did, the, the, all the conversations you're hearing from the players after it was that Jurgen Klopp gave it to him and said, listen, you can you can either just drift away here and this will just be another loss or you can write your own little bit of history. Mm. And they and they and there was this belief engendered and then they come out the next game and they play like a side that hunts the victory yeah. from the minute the mm. game starts. And I don't know where these things start from. Who knows where the, what the germ of, of these um, cultures are that you mm. talk about. But once established... They become such a powerful force. And up until last, or up until two seasons ago, they had Stevie Gerrard in the change room to remind him about what happened in 2005. Mm. Oh, sorry, 2006 six, 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 when they won six, the Champions yep, League. 3-0 yep, down at halftime, yep, one yep. on penalties. I mean, having someone in the 
to turn to and say, and him just saying, patting you on the back and saying, listen, we've done this before. Can we, this yeah. can actually happen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, th- he was no longer in that change room. So for them to do this cohort of players, for them to do what they did against Dortmund, mm. uh, imagine the younger guys in particular, and I reckon it's flowed through because they played quite a young side against Bournemouth on they, the they weekend. Did. They did. Uh, Brad Smith played. Yep. Can you imagine... Them coming in, those guys coming in and saying, "Hey, we can win from anywhere." It's our turn to do it. Yeah, you know. So that's what Brisbane Raw do. We get, we'll get a wriggle on, um, mm. and and what happened with Bruce is gone. And I do want to talk to you about the mindset of Melbourne victory now with a big Champions League game on tonight. But is there going to be a hunt amongst you know the commentariat in football in Australia to find the evidence that Melbourne victory actually used to free <laughs> Bruce up? Because it's hotly disputed mm. on the other side. You know, over in New Zealand, I've yep. got the name of the ocean yep. in between the Tasman. <laughs> the Tasman, yeah. Um, uh, they don't believe it exists. Yeah. Andrew Durrani says, "No, this is this it was is just lies. It, it, does, it, it doesn't. Lies. Ha- it doesn't happen." Yeah, look, um, I think if the, I mean, apparently, and again, it's all, it's all just media reporting, but uh, again, the the lawyers who are very good, <laughs> Melbourne Victory lawyers who, who presented their case to the the the, uh, the disciplinary committee, they apparently showed frame by frame where they could uh, justify his actions. And they, and they and, bought, and so they bought they, it. Yeah. So there must be some sort of evidence for that to happen. Um, like I said, everyone was shocked in the football world. A lot, and FFA, a lot of people are angry there. So it's shock okay. and anger. So uh, Join yeah. in, 942-911-16. I'll get to Scott before we get to a break. But mm. just while we're on that subject, um, Navio's yeah. tonight? Yes. So that'll be really what, interesting. Because I would have thought... If it was a sound decision for Barisha, that you know, just through equity and justice, that they would probably restrict uh, Navio's down to you know bring it down just the one week, and he could play this week. Uh, I think now, knowing what's sort of the attitude at the FFA, not that they can they technically can't influence, they can't influence, they can't influence no, anything, no, but no. surely there would be a conversation about how the hell did this happen? And I wonder whether that's going to affect the Navio decision tonight. Uh, I think they're having it tonight at six thirty. So I hope not. I hope it's done on its, on its own merits and its own, uh, you know, uh, on the evidence that they present. Uh, but uh, I've got a feeling that there's clearer evidence to what Navio did as far as. The, the allegations are he kicked out mm. to players. Um, I've got a feeling there's clearer evidence that that did happen than uh, what the Barisha one was. So no chance, Harry. Well, I said this last <laughs> week, mate, so I don't know. <laughs> Scott's in Craig, you've heard it. 27-3. Hi, mate. G'day, boys. How are you? Good, thank Good, you. Yeah, I'm your arch nemesis from Twitter, Andy. <laughs> oh, hello, Scotty. Yeah, no, yeah. All right, yeah. now, so before I start... You're, the, the, you're the man who doesn't rate Aaron Moy. Yeah, no, 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 I didn't say Aaron No, you do. Yeah, you you don't rate him. Stuff. Let me start, buddy, and then you can come over to the top. Righto, righto. All right. I've got a different angle of the best players, right? But before we start that, we'll start with Aaron Moy and Bruch, right? <laughs> Andy, the reason why I was arguing with you, you told me he was world class, right? Yeah. You have no idea how far off the mark you are, right? I, I, just for an example, I was on the Liverpool, because I'm a Liverpool member, as you know. I talked to you about Liverpool and that. Yeah. Um, we were on the Liverpool site the other night, on the proper site with, with the board, with the members and talking. And we were talking about um, Philippe Coutinho. Is he world class? There was over 300 people who answered. And do you know how many people answered that he was world class, Andy? Well, like, well, he is world None. class. Zero. But he's, but he's, but we have no, to get out. No, wait on. No. We just have to get our definitions right, Scotty. I say that if you're good enough to be playing in the English Premier League and you're playing regular first team football in the Premier League, you're world class, mate. You're not in the ultimate elite of world class players, but you are a world class player if you're playing in that league regularly. 
No, you're not. Have you seen Aston Villa lately, mate? You're kidding me. <laughs> well, that, that, I, I guarantee Aston Villa would have a one world-class player in its mix, would, would it not? Oh, uh, if their mindset is okay, you know, guys like uh, Agbod Nalhor and these sort of guys. But uh, this, I mean, it's hard to argue against Scott when you see yeah, the what they delivered this no, year. The way but, uh, yeah, but, exactly. but Coutinho doesn't play for Aston Villa. We're talking about Coutinho, and uh, and you know the guy. Uh, not sure how many games he's played for Brazil or whether he's on the fringe, but he's certainly highly regarded. I, 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 Scott, I, you know, I would uh, I would argue that uh, Coutinho, as an individual, not because he plays in the EPL, but as an individual, I'd argue against those people who say he's not world class. I think he is world class. Some of the goals he scored are as good as anything you know in the leagues around Europe. So, so our our debate, Scotty, is a matter of um, semantics and definitions. But anyway, make your other point about the A League. Yeah, yeah. Oh, just just before that, quickly. Yeah, what we go on in general, a world class player, he has to be able to play for at least the top half a dozen teams in the world and fit in. All of them people we mentioned are not world. They might be international class, but they ain't world class. And just a quick second one. That was great. The interview yesterday with Andy Harper talking about Fornaroli being able to play for Barca next to Messi. That was just hilarious. <laughs> now, there's a way I want to come from a different angle about um, best players to play in the A League. These guys probably didn't contribute much. But these, without doubt, are the best three players to play in the A-League. You've got to go Romario, ADP, and Robbie Fowler. They're three world-class players. They were world-class players. By the time they got here, they were so far over the hill, it wasn't funny. But they're the best players. And they're the only world-class players who have played here and probably the only world-class players who will play within the next 10 years. But you can also talk about Mario Jardel, who, uh, who came here, I think, a drunk uh, you know, a drug addict, yeah. uh, a guy who was way over the hill, and he scored goals in European Championships and European Cups. So, uh, if you're talking about reputation-wise, what and, they've done in a, CV, pro- in a previous life, no question. But the best, yep. I think, that what we're talking about is the best players, best performed players in the A League. Exactly. And uh, and the, your Fauna Rollies and your Broishers, your Barishas of this world. Uh, you know, even go back to Dwight York all those years ago, even though I don't, he was almost on the edge of that. Yep, yep. Uh, yeah, we talk about people who can win your games and people who weren't just here you know, to sell tickets. and Because you know, no one else wanted David it, Villa. You know? David yep. Villa was here. Yep. And we're not even talking about him. Louis Gus. You know, yep, yep, you know, so yep. th- so that, that's, again, Scotty, we've got there's matters of definitions here and uh, we're coming from different starting points. Um, but appreciate your call. And Owen wants to, before we get to your thoughts, Carlos, about... You know, the best import that's coming to the Allegan. I want you to nail down one. I know yep. you're going to rattle off Owen, but just give me one name. No, I will. All right. Owen's on the road and wants to pick up the conversation we're having with Scotty before we got to the break. Uh, good afternoon to you, mate. Good afternoon. How are you, mate? Good, thank you. That's the way. Look, I should have been Owen driven off the road because that's where I ended up when you said that Philip Coutinho is a world class player. You don't think yeah. he is? No way. No way. It's like, that's. You've got to lower your... You've got to raise your standards of what's a world-class player. Like, you've got Iniesta in La Liga. You've got Pilo um, in the Serie A now over in America. It's just no way... So, by way of your argument, Owen, there's five world-class yeah, exactly. players in the world. Is that right? No, no, no. There's more than five world-class players. Okay, so so why wouldn't the Coutinho, who's, who's clearly a player who would be... Uh, probably selected by most EPL clubs if he came available, uh, the most watched league in the world, uh, with his performances at Liverpool, could probably, as a Brazilian, could probably play in Spain uh, and probably not play necessarily in the Barcelona team, but uh, probably in, in your, maybe knock on the door at Atletico Madrid or one of these sort of players. 
he is a very, very good Brazilian footballer, and some of the goals he scored in the EPL uh, are world class. So, uh, you know, I I know, we can argue about a definition of world class. We can do that. Uh, but yeah. if, you, if, you, if you're too narrow with it, suddenly there's only a handful of players you can talk about being world class. That's right. But you can, I agree with you. He's scored some fantastic goals. The one he scored against Manchester United in the, in the Europa League was one of those that mm. stands out by miles. And he scored a couple in the, in the Premier League already this season. But you can't tell me that... If, but Andy's re, uh, reasoning was based on the fact that he's playing in the EPL every single week. That means that, half the, that every, every single player in the, in the Premier League is basically world-class. No, well, and, and look, according to you, my, my, my uh, definition is too broad. I've got, I reckon if you're, if you're playing week in, week out in one of um, the... Well, probably the two biggest leagues... The two biggest leagues in the world now clearly Spain and England, right? Italy's not what it used to be. Germany's not in the same conversation. So they're the two big leagues. If you're... Owen, and stop me, but if you're yep. playing for a, for a major club in one of those leagues week in, week out, I think you have, in my term of reference... I think you are a world-class player. And I would go a step further, Owen, in that would you agree that anyone who plays in the, you know, in the Brazilian team since 2010, anyone who's got a game with that Brazilian side, would he be world-class? Because Coutinho's played 13 times for Brazil since 2010. Yeah, that's right. But not- so you would say yes or no, Owen, to that question? It would have, you'd have to have a minimum amount of games. So it depends. I don't know how many international friendlies and competition matches that Brazil has played since that 2010, but that's six years. Yeah, so we're, not, we're, not talk, we're not talking, we're not talking about the Socceroos, so, uh, we're not talking about the Socceroos here, we're talking about the Brazil. Right? Yeah, if you're, if you're, that, get, if you're getting a game for Brazil with a team with Neymar in it, uh, all those other great players in it, uh, really, uh, I, I, I would think that. You know, we're not being too shabby by suggesting that he might be world class. Okay, we, we get yeah. your point anyway, yeah. Ron. Owen, you're trying to say you've got to be narrowed down, but I reckon if we had an hour and we're having a couple of beers over this one, <laughs> by the time we'd finish with with where you, the players that you think are world class, Owen, I bet you there'd be a whole lot more in there than you probably think you'd have in right now. Um, but appreciate you call. Nick's in Roval at a quarter to three. Hi, mate. Uh, how you going, guys? Good, thank Good, you. Mate. Good, first time caller. I've been listening to you guys for a while now. Welcome. FM, all, the, all the music on that stuff's crap now, but anyway. <laughs> um, so, uh, about this, this world-class conversation now, we've got a series of things about the population of what? The world, let's say it's what, seven, 7 billion people. These, <laughs> these guys, these guys are in the top 100, 200 plays in the world. How can they not be world-class? That's my that, view. That, that, I mean, that caller, that caller a few calls, yeah, like a few calls ago, is like, uh, you know, if he's if he's playing in the Premier League, he's playing for Villa. He's playing. I'm a Newcastle supporter. These guys are better than 95 percent of the rest of the population. If you're international class, that is that is world class. That's a silly argument. I mean, you've got to think in terms of like it's a matter of perspective here. If you're looking at Coutinho in the Premier League, who's really dominated, been probably one of the best midfielders in the Premier League, he's got to be classified as a world class player. I mean, it's just a matter of perspective about where they're playing and who yeah. they're playing. Yeah. And look, I think if you're also playing, Nick, in, in, a, in a t- an international team that wins games, if, you're, if you are good enough to be selected in a team, international team that wins games mm-hmm. at World Cups, you're a world-class player. I can't, I can't see... I can understand if you're playing in a... I don't know, if Cambodia yeah, exactly, uh, exactly. qualifies for a World Cup and you're not going to win games, you're just a... You know, You've a, got to invite by virtue yeah, of a weak yeah, conference. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah that, you, know, you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't sort of categorise those players as world class because just because they're playing yeah. in a world tournament. But 
Brazil, Germany, yeah. uh, you know, Holland, yep. uh, Spain, any one of those guys who are playing in those teams, and obviously those teams win games, mm. they're world class. Yep. Uh, appreciate your call. A lot of people want to join in this one. Yeah. Uh, Peter's in Altona. Hello, mate. Gents, how are you, boys? Good, thank Good, you. Mate. Long time no here, Pete. Yeah, I know, right? You only ring, you only you ring the breakfast show, you buddy. It's not, you're <laughs> no, I don't. I'm, I'm, you know, I have my grandpa napping you up today. Right. Anyway, <laughs> the two, you're talking about two best players, obviously, in the, in the A-League. Yep. It's been four in a row, definitely. Yeah, absolute impact. But I thought Fred, I thought Fred was a sensation when he was at the, at the victory. Where did he sit for you? Okay, here's the, here's the chance for you to Yeah, for it. me, look, for me, uh, Fornaroli's fantastic. He just captures the imagination. What he does to defenders, the anxiety he causes to three or four defenders oh. around him, it's amazing. He scores a lot of his goals because they're frightened of him. Well, right your now. point that you made before, yeah. you, before we got on air in the transition from, from Gazi to you yeah. was a really interesting one. Yeah, well, for me, I, 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 I'll, I'll name it. Barisha, for me, is yep. the best ever Okay. Uh, at, the, at this point for in time. long term. Longevity, yep. uh, what he's done for both Raw and uh, Melbourne Victory. The hunger. Um, you know, uh, he's done it with good players at Brisbane. Uh, he's doing it with lesser players, I think, at Victory. Mm. Uh, it's just a longevity and the absolute hunger, uh, the insatiable appetite for goals he has and he delivers. And he does at his best. Uh, mesmerised defenders also. Yep. But we've, for the Riley, what he's produced is just electrifying because of the one-out nature of his goals a lot of times. He you know, he has defenders bouncing off him left, right and centre. It's usually, you know, he, sometimes he, he, he dives into a tackle, wins the ball, dribbles past two or three, dribbles past the keeper and scores. I mean, his work in the box and around the box is unbelievable. His athleticism in that goal on the weekend, which, by the way, wasn't a goal, but anyway. <laughs> you want to, yeah, I, I want to yeah, talk yeah. to you about this and we're running out of time, but yeah. okay. You reckon that you were speaking to I oh, know yes. no no so you were speaking to a referee who said he, he would have seriously thought about blowing the whistle. A former referee, celebrated referee in this country, and I was sitting next to him. So last we're talking about the former Ollie scissor, scissor kick. Yes, the, uh, the yes, uh, and he said, of course, it was a free kick uh, against uh, for dangerous. dangerous play, uh, but it would have taken a very very courageous referee to to uh, not give that. And I'm glad that it was given because it was such a great goal. But it was a it was a foul. A foul. Yeah, you can't. You well, so can't therefore, you, you can't be. That that kick almost in in a high traffic area like it was at the yep. top of the you you should not even be thinking about playing yeah. that ball. Well, I mean, you, you just do it because it was instinct for for Bruno. Yep. It was just an instinctive thing, and it was great that he, he it looked fantastic. It was great for the game, and you oh. would, you didn't get too much really. You didn't get too much pushback by Perth either. No, well, I think no, they, they sort of even though they, they cost them a lot. Did uh, they say anything post game? Oh, they just they just dwelled on the fact they didn't play well. Uh, yes, they felt it was a foul, but. Uh, but City were the better side. Oh, so, good yeah. luck making that call. Yeah. Hey, mm. uh, Chris in Hawthorne, before we get to a break, uh, good afternoon to you, mate. Oh, good afternoon, guys. Uh, enjoying the show. Um, I noticed that you've had a few silly questions this afternoon. <laughs> right. I, no I such thing as a silly question, Chris. <laughs> All right, well, can I give you a, 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 a hypothetical question? Yes. Okay. It's, uh, I think it's 50 years since England won the World Cup. It's wow. coming, up, yeah. coming up to that. And um, I was just wondering what your opinion would be if we put the current Australian team on the park at Wembley against uh, Nobby Styles and Jeff Hurst and Martin Peters and Alan Ball. How do you think they'd go? 
Jeez. Uh, well, just, pretty, they'd be pretty old now, those blokes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, I, if you're talking about... The they're Australian, all in their 80s now, yeah, those, those yeah, guys are still off. So I reckon we go all right. Yeah, you, I, you just have to look at the athleticism. I mean, obviously, they were great players. I mean, you don't win World Cups um, and, and have, you know, Jeff Hurst, Martin Peters, uh, Nobby Styles. Uh, Jack and uh, Bobby Charlton. I mean, these, uh, uh, the goalkeeper was um, Gordon Banks. I mean, mm. these guys are some of the best ever players and recognised by people around the world as some of the best ever players. Mm. Uh, so in – you talk about world class, uh, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to. And it depends on where you're – if you're taking this Australian side back to their era – uh, playing the way that it was played mm. back then, they would beat this Australian side, no question. Mm. If they were playing in this era, well, the, the, the tactics are different. The way they go about playing it, I mean, they were playing four four two in those days. There, do they have uh, the defensive blocks that they talk about now? Do they? Do they? Is a shape as important? The different formations, um, but still. I would think that they would adjust pretty quickly, the good these ones, guys. The good yeah. ones adjust, yeah. I reckon. Uh, I wonder whether that satisfied uh, the question, Chris. Yes. Uh, on, I want to ask you one question before we run out of time. I want you to put yourself in Melbourne Victory's shoes right now, and they've got their Asian Champions League game. They can secure their position tonight in the knockout stage, uh, and they probably, fingers crossed, will. Yeah. Can you imagine... The load that's net, their narrow, their focus has been so narrowed now. I would imagine, even though they would like to still be alive in the A League, obviously, there'll be a bit of a load lifted off the entire camp. They've still got obviously a big fish to fry and a yep. big, big target to chase. I imagine they'll be feeling not relieved and happy. That's the wrong mm, way of putting yep. it, but just like a bit of a load's been lifted. Well, I reckon they'd be burning inside. Andy, I think, uh, yeah, the, so I think yeah. I, I, they've been really putting Asian Champions League as, as a priority, and you can see. But mm. for me, the bread and butter is the league, and Kevin Musket basically grew up in England. But as they didn't a, get into a position you know, this year, really, true. did they? But they, they actually played better than Brisbane on the weekend, mm. and I think that they just didn't take their opportunities early in that game. Yeah, Jason Gary are getting sent off late, but they scored after that, so you wonder about the impact yeah, there. Yeah, but yeah. I think they'd be burning inside. I I think I'm not saying like, they're happy yeah, about the yeah, loss. Yeah, I'm not yeah. saying that, but now that they've had the loss, oh, it, it, once it, the dust settles on yeah. that and the disappointment yeah. starts to subside a little bit, my, what the point I'm trying to make is that suddenly – they'll be a bit lighter because they don't have the weight of everything sitting in front of them. You know, yeah. the, the load has clearly been halved. Mm. I mean, you know. So. Musk, you'd say that's, that's a lot of a footballer. That's what we're here for. If you're mm. not prepared oh, to yeah. want as many games as possible that can win you things, we don't want you here. Uh, what I'm really interested in is the cull. Of course, so, they've yeah. got Costa Barbarous is going, Finkler going. I'm wondering about the cull. And well, I reckon a lot of the fringe players might be the ones who might be going. So you could see like, like serious wholesale changes. I just reckon some of the guys who have been given knocking on the door not not hard enough. I think they're going to have to move those guys on and start getting those fringe. It's their fringe. They'll get good marquees. They'll get good players. You know, Mark Milligan. I think they're going to go after him again, bring him back. They'll get good core fundamental players. Yeah. It's their fringe players who need to knock down the door who weren't really doing that. Well, Ted's in Footscrown. He might have a view on the way forward for them. Hi, Ted. Hey, boys. Yeah, talking about victory and players they might be getting or losing, I've heard a rumour that Bonarelli could be going across to uh, victory. I wouldn't roll any, uh, rule anything out, Ted, uh, but you'd have to pay him a lot because I reckon if that was to happen, I was just saying to Andy, and not, not joking really, but uh, yeah, paying $4 million. <laughs> Uh, as, as a marquee, paying $4 million, it's outside the salary cap. City Group, the Sheikhs can handle it. Uh, it's ridiculous money for a player who's had one good year, yep. basically. Uh, but you don't want victory grabbing for Neroli. And you wonder what that would also do to the, to the structure there at victory where Barisha is 
at the pointy end. He's the major striker. Where they could play with the two, um, you know, with a double-pronged sort of attack, you'll have to wait and see. You'd have to change things around a bit. But you wouldn't rule anything out, but I reckon City, the City group, would uh, would would throw as much money as needed that that would not happen. Enough to keep the Wolves from other nations at They would bay. need to, yeah. I mean, you, you because they're going to be coming at it. Oh, be China, at it, China yeah. in these sort of places. Uh, it's not like in this... China recruits Australian defenders, you know, mm. but they, they'll go for a, a foreign um, or non-Australian uh, striker, striker yeah, yeah, or attacking yeah. player. And Fuana Riley, um, it's, it's, I'll tell you, he'll probably be already gone uh, or already had a lot of money thrown if he was playing Asian Championships and score goal, Champions mm. League and scoring goals already. So mm. uh, it'll be really interesting. That's, that's something that's going to be big news. Gee, they've got a lot to weigh up, haven't mm. they, these players? These players mm. that, that haven't made it you know, in Europe or in other international leagues, they come out here and they find their feet, like a Thomas Broishton, mm. like a Bruno Fornaroli appears to have done. Then when the big money offers do start coming, no one wanted them before. Now there's people who do want them on big money, but they've found their feet here. Yeah, it's a, it's one of those things. They come to Australia. Barisha happened to Barisha. His career's going off the rails yeah. in Germany, uh, ends up coming to Australia, and suddenly it's hand in glove. Yep. Um, Broich the same. Uh, Fornaroli the same. They're the ones, if you can somehow find those guys mm. who you know will have a better life for them and their families in Australia, they're the ones to get, go get. A bit happening tonight, mate, with uh, Harry and with the Champions League game. Uh, there's always a lot to talk about. I'll see you next week. Thanks, mate.